ultimately we can't deny that this is a lived reality because mm. I spend so much of my time interviewing women, you know, every week and yeah. we all have the same experience, not exactly yeah. the same and it's different, you know, and there are there are different circumstances that everyone goes through. But I can guarantee every single woman that I've ever spoken to has mm. been a victim of misogyny or sexism or worse in the workplace. Mm. So you cannot deny that mm. that doesn't exist because it does exist. everyone and welcome to Working It Out. I am your host Emily and I hope everyone is having a good week. I am a little bit sad to say that this week's episode is the final episode of the series, series one. After this one there will be a short break um, and then I'll be back soon with series two which is exciting but yeah a little bit sad um, to have a break but before we do break for the end of the series um, we still have a whole episode today so um, without further ado I would like to introduce my guest she is someone who I have found really inspiring um, through the work that she's done with her own podcast Women on Top and we spoke a while ago um, when I was thinking of starting my podcast um, and she really helped me and gave me some great advice so I'm very grateful to her for that. So please welcome Frankie Cotton. Oh thank you Emily, pleased to be here. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Um, it's nice to have a proper chat with you and because we've kind of had um, nice conversations about the ins and outs of the podcast well but it's nice for us to actually do something like this together <laughs> yeah definitely so as I've asked everyone um I wanted to ask you what you wanted to be when you were younger so when I was younger I most definitely I wanted to be on the stage <laughs> mm. I wanted to be an actor and yeah I was sort of one of those kids that was always kind of dancing around and singing and just desperate to be in a live performance all the time um I think there's something about like the adrenaline of a live performance right and the there's there's just something that you can't replicate it's not the same like tv or whatever film mm -hmm. is not the same as like a live theater environment so yeah I was very much I thought that's what I was going to do and I had my sights set on that for a long time probably till I was about 14 or 15. Mm. <laughs> I love that um and what do you do now? <laughs> well, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> well, although you say that as now. So, okay, I'll tell you what I do now. So I'm the CEO and founder of a growth and innovation agency called Let's Be Frank. So I've been running that for three years and we support businesses with really their marketing and branding and basically build foundations for them to grow. Mm -hmm. um, alongside that, I've also... Um, 
I run a podcast, which he mentioned, called Women on Top, um, which is also expanding into more of a multimedia platform. And essentially what it is, is it's, it's looking at business and startups and entrepreneurship through a feminist lens, which is a gap in the market that I really kind of saw was missing, is that, there, you know, there are amazing resources about how to build businesses, about investing, um, a whole load of stuff out there. But what's missing is really looking at businesses and opportunities and the decisions that leadership are making in terms of, um, you know, how diverse are the businesses? Actually, are they putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to environmental issues or social issues and things like that? So that's really what Women on Top is all about. It's really about sort of debunking how our capitalist society works and about giving people a place and a platform to go just to increase understanding and just awareness and just really mm. as I say to give another um angle on on that kind of information mm. so yeah I guess as you said there is a small element of um kind of not performing <laughs> but definitely yeah <laughs> definitely yeah, um with the podcast <laughs> mm, like some sort of being in the spotlight um having a voice I guess is is a similarity there which is yes it is but it's also a difference right so yes having a voice but it's your own voice when you're acting Mm. it's somebody else's voice you're reading a script you're performing you're being somebody else whereas you know and I don't know if you found this but through um launching my podcast it became a really interesting way of actually understanding what my perspective was on issues and Mm. actually finding my voice because I had a platform where I had to use it all of a sudden Mm. and I didn't realize before I started my podcast that that would be such an area of self-development and I don't know if you found similar or (laughs) yeah I think um you maybe think you know your stance on something and then it's not until you actually have a conversation with someone about topic um that you actually have to sit down and think what is my stance on this is it what I always thought it was or so you're right it's you are allowed to have your own opinion um which is definitely different to playing a part on stage (laughs) and that's why podcasts are so great as well because they allow for nuanced conversations so you know Mm. we're surrounded by um short headlines short um bodies of text like on social media and and sort Mm. of Um, snapshot images and things are very quick and very fast and we're absorbing very basic information actually you know we're not necessarily um, critical about the sources that we're reading them from or we're not delving into a subject we're taking things at face value and where podcasts are really interesting is that they actually provide that nuanced conversation um you know and that's what we all need we we don't all know we don't all have the answers and healthy conversation healthy debate is how we actually figure out um you know how we collectively take positive change or how we can influence Mm. things around us for the better Mm, definitely well speaking of um having in-depth conversations um this is what I wanted to talk to you about so I wanted to ask what was the thing that you found to be the most challenging at the very start or in the first couple of years of your career I think if I'm honest what I thought when I started work was that that 
there was no glass ceiling and I thought that there was equality and meritocracy in business. And that was my understanding when I first joined. So I thought as long as I work hard and, you know, I do what I need to do, um, then I'll have no problem in getting promoted and, you know, kind of climbing the career ladder, as people Mm. say. Um, But it did become clear to me as, you know, I was entering management that actually that wasn't the case. And Mm. the the further you go up the ladder, unfortunately, um, even now, you know, there are less and less women in those positions. Mm. And that came as a real surprise to me because I wasn't expecting it. And I really genuinely thought that, you know, in 2011, 12, 13, you know, early years of my career, I just didn't even think that that was going to be an issue, Mm. but it is. And I think that that has since been, or certainly when I was working for other people was the biggest challenge because not only are you trying to survive, survive in a system, but you're also trying to thrive in a system, Mm. right? And if a system is made and it, and it was, you know, the workplace was built and made for men and women have infiltrated it, which is great, but it was never created for us. So when we think of surviving in a system, that is, you know, how do I get through my day and get the things done that I need to do? And sometimes that'll be, you know, experiencing microaggressions, for example. You know, I used to get a lot of um, comments about my appearance, which my male colleagues would never receive. Um, I would often be asked to make the coffee when my male colleagues weren't asked to make the coffee. You know, yeah. there's all these kinds of things, right? So there's surviving in a system. So do you challenge that or do you maintain it? And that becomes, I think, this conflict for women is that, well, you know, if you if you speak out about those things and challenge them, then, mm. you know, you that will allow you to thrive in an environment that changes. But the flip side is, is that might not be the result. You know, you might be seen as sensitive or, you know, you might be seen as um, not a team player, which happens a lot. You know, you're seen as the person who is a troublemaker or Mm. you're trying to change things and trying to change a culture. Um, Whereas it's easier for everybody else if things just stay as they are and, and, you know, the status quo isn't affected. So it becomes this conflict I think that women have which is do I am I here to survive or am I here to thrive if I'm here to thrive then I need to oftentimes and not in every case because not every business is the same um, but if you are trying to thrive then often that will mean changing that environment for mm. the better but then that is another huge layer of responsibility yeah. and work that you then take on alongside your job mm. um, and you know you're not paid for that <laughs> and I think ultimately that's what led me to start women on top the podcast mm. is that um, you know I felt that women really needed a an inclusive and safe space to talk about some of these things and really honestly and openly and with nuance mm. as I said to really understand how we can make the workplace better for everyone and mm. I'm not just speaking about you know I'm speaking here as a white woman but also for women of color for mm. people with disabilities for people who you know um, LGBTQ there are mm. a whole load of minority people underrepresented people who aren't um, necessarily feel who don't necessarily feel included Mm. let alone feel like they belong in the workplace and you know we need to make these changes you know it's 2020 Mm. (laughs) (laughs) we should be a lot better at this by now you know like we really should be much further on Mm. it's so interesting because um I feel like I was the same I think before I started work 
like you, I just didn't really think those um, differences and those challenges existed. And I, I went to an all girls school. And yeah, I think we were taught, um, you know, like you can do anything. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And maybe naively. Um, so I think when I left school, I really did believe that. I was like, you know what? Um, whatever I set my mind to, as you say, like if I if I work hard, if I do, if I tick the boxes, if I do this, this and this, I can achieve what I want to achieve. Um, so I think, obviously I was very lucky to have that. But then I think like you, I did get a bit of a shock when I realised that isn't always the case. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, is that I I feel like there's a lot of denial of the fact that women have these experiences, you know, and I'm talking Mm. about this, I'm not a parent, I'm not a mother. And I know that there's a whole another level of what women experience when they become mothers in terms of you know the conflict with their careers and very practical things like childcare, etc etc so I'm not even speaking from that perspective I'm speaking as you know a young ish actually I say young I'm 30 now so (laughs) (laughs) I like to pretend that I am um but you know I I don't have those responsibilities yet Mm. so you know and I've still experienced that and I call it what it is, it is discrimination. Mm. Um, But there is a sense of gaslighting, I think, within the business community where people refuse to believe an individual's experience. So, you know, it's, but there are women over here, but there's that woman who works in senior management and she did it. So, (laughs) you know, everyone should be able to do it. Or that, you know, there are stories like that. Well, there are women on the board. So, you know, your experience isn't true. And it's mm-hmm. really, I think, I think it's about just giving women the space to first of all comprehend the environment that they're in. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just really, ha- yeah, just have that space to acknowledge it, mm-hmm. I think. And then think, well, what am I going to do about it? You know, do I have the energy to take it forward? Um, mm. Do I have the energy to fight it? Do I need to find another company, another business to work in? Or mm. what does that look like for me? But ultimately, we can't deny that this is a lived reality because mm. I spend so much of my time interviewing women, you know, every week. And yeah. we all have the same experience, not exactly yeah. the same. And it's different, you know, and there are, there are different circumstances that everyone goes through, but I can guarantee every single woman that I've ever spoken to has Mm. been a victim of misogyny or sexism or worse in the workplace. Mm. So you cannot deny that Mm. that doesn't exist because it does exist. Mm. Definitely. Getting a bit passionate there. (laughs) (laughs) No, we like passion is good. We like it. Um, Did you find obviously now you're um you have your own business but before that did you find yourself to be environments that were um I mean as you say like you were told oh but there's a woman in this role but in general um did you find that most of those environments that you were working in were quite male dominated um and if so how did you feel in those environments yeah so it's interesting because 
I've worked, I've always worked in tech. So mm-hmm. they've always been quite male dominated environments. Whereas I know that women who work in say the media, for example, mm-hmm. um, can often be in quite female dominated environments. And mm-hmm. I think that they have their own challenges, right? Just because there are women in management, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that there are women who own the business or run the business. And I think that the, the cultures mm-hmm. that are created by that dynamic are different, but Definitely. can be just as damaging. But for me, certainly working in tech, yes, it, it means I was surrounded a lot by men. Now, I tried to use that to my advantage as much as, much as possible because when you are different and you look different, then you ultimately stand out. So if you can use that to your advantage, then that can help you in some instances, right? But it also... It, it is difficult because things like, you know, I remember going to senior management meetings, for example, all my um, peers were men. And Mm. when I walked into a room, they would stop talking. So Mm. you would think, well, what were they talking about? Or like, what jokes Mm. were they making that aren't appropriate for me? And so every time you walk into a professional environment, you suddenly think, you're not welcome there or you're not part of the crew and the team. And you're the one, you know, I always felt like I was the one who was more serious or, bringing um bringing a different energy that that meant I was sort of ruining their fun if you see what I mean um and that's and I I think that that's hard because you never really feel like one of the boys for me Mm. it was a boys club it always was Mm. a boys club and I was always just the one who was ruining it for everyone and um that does grind you down it really does grind you down over time Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. And I think there are so, I mean, this is a huge topic and there are so many elements to it, but it's interesting that it's not just, and most of the time, actually, it's not the work itself. It's more like the culture and the, I say like extracurricular, um, kind of like things surrounding the work. Um, And it's interesting you say, that you like felt you didn't really fit in and I think it must be really hard to be in that position because you probably are faced with the dilemma of do I continue to be myself but not fit in or do I try to fit in um for them at the expense of like my values and my personality um and traits and I think that is really tough exactly and you've summarized it perfectly in that yeah it's how much of yourself do you sacrifice as I say to to be in this system and just to get what you need out of it versus you know how much uh, what what is a boundary that's crossed and what will you ultimately not change about yourself and make sure that you bring those parts to your work now, work would be so easy if all we actually had to do was the work itself. Right? <laughs> and when you when you said that, it's just like, yeah, that's like the dream. You know, I just get to do my job and it's very <laughs> straightforward. But the thing is, business makes, um, people make businesses and organizations complex. So, you know, when I think about what does the future of business look like and how can we evolve our organizations to um, really make sure that we take care of human beings in those environments is... Mm. It requires leaders to find a way to show up much more consciously at work. So that means knowing your own shit, 
and knowing what shit you're bringing to work. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their own stuff. You know, you've got your upbringing, you've got what happened to you as a child, you've got your family relationships, you've got all of these things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, everyone comes to work with this worldview based on those experiences that they've had. Mm-hmm. And we need to own our own shit before we get into these leadership positions, right? Mm-hmm. We cannot be led by our egos and let that history of what's happened to us run wild because then what you have is you have all of these competing worldviews and you know I've been told for example I was really almost bullied by a director of business once and I was told well he's got he's got issues with his mum and I was like well that's got nothing to do with me that should not impact my career like Mm. why should that why should I have to fight for my position in this job because he has issues with his mum like I feel it I understand it right and it makes it I I appreciate that we all have that stuff but I think it's about having enough conscious awareness to know what's our own shit versus what is just you know it's just business like leave Mm. all of that stuff Mm. outside the door it's so true I think being aware exactly as you say like kind of taking it for what it is and not bringing all your other stuff into the situation um and that will just I feel like make people work together better and yeah just make organizations function more effectively and just going back to how you felt walking into those meeting rooms and feeling like you were stopping their fun how did you feel when it came to having a voice in those kind of meetings or in those kind of situations did you feel respected and and listened to um and did you feel like your contribution was valued or um did you again feel like you were a bit on the sidelines or a bit out of it so I think there were different I had different relationships with different people so I think I had some very good relationships with um people who were there to do business and who actually were far less emotional you know we say women are emotional um you know men are equally as emotional at work so Mm. the best relationships I had were with men who were just there to do their job and I was there to do mine and yeah we would be friendly and of course we'd develop a relationship in the sense of you know we were colleagues but ultimately we had enough respect for each other's work that we could work together and we weren't sort of vying for some kind of power play or bringing our you know whatever um into that environment so you know it it depended I I had excellent relationships and then there were some that were just absolutely just really really struggled and that was always you know there was and I probably shouldn't really say this but there was a guy who was um he was sort of the eternal bachelor, I suppose. And depending on his relationship status with whoever he was seeing, he would respond differently to me. So like sometimes he could be very charming and I would know that whatever was happening in his personal life was going well. And then other times he would just be awful to me, like awful to me. But sometimes he would just call me and just complain and shout and I mean it was really terrible Mm. and it would purely be because of this thing that was happening in his personal life right Mm. so you know it's difficult to say there wasn't one size kind of fits all experience but in terms of how I manage those relationships and how I kind of cultivated confidence and found my own voices 
there were there were pockets of people who I could trust. There were small groups that, you know, I felt very comfortable with and others who I didn't. And, you know, this is, again, the double bind of being a woman in business. And I, and I don't like to sort of just complain and be negative because I feel like we can <laughs> overcome them. But, you know, women are told you're not confident or you don't have an opinion or, you know, that's why you're not getting ahead. And you think, but you've created environments where, you know, I don't feel confident speaking because mm. I'm different to everybody else. And, you know, I get judged differently to everybody else and everybody's mm. staring at what I'm wearing or my new haircut rather than actually judging the performance of my department, for example. Right. So, you know, I feel like, again, it's tough. Um, but for me, becoming self-employed and starting my own business allowed me to really process all of that stuff and finally mm. actually build the confidence in my own knowledge and understanding and, you know, my, my own opinions and everything else that for mm. so long had been, um, I would say, sort of pushed down and suppressed mm. um, for years. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, as you say, you know, everyone is different so I'm sure it wasn't different um relationships with each um person in the company but yeah I think to kind of be the person who is different and not feel like you could speak up as much as other people could um because you're a woman and they were men I mean, I can't even imagine how tough that would be. And as you mentioned earlier on, it's so interesting that, because exactly as you say, like people in um, more media industries, most of those companies do seem to um, have many more women. And I, I was thinking that all of the companies I've worked for have been mainly women. Um, but I was laughing when you said that often the people at the very top are not women because incidentally all of the companies that I've worked for the owner or the CEO have been men so it's been like the man at the very top of the pyramid and then all like all the women around which as you say brings its own difficulties and one thing I found so interesting was there was one of my first companies I worked at there was only one man he wasn't the owner but he was the only man who was the in like a senior position and all the rest were women but it was so interesting because he was you know he was the loudest he was the he would be so rude to all the women he would kind of run in and run out in like a whirlwind of you know just um whatever had gone on that day um and he was really the dominant one and it was so interesting because obviously he was the minority, but it, it didn't really seem to phase him and the women mm. would kind of just pander to him. And so I found that dynamic really interesting because yes, the structure in terms of there are lots more women and only one man, that is completely different, but it sounds like the attitudes, it sounds like that were very similar to... Well, you know, it's it's really interesting that you say that, but who so who has the power in a business? Well, it's the person who owns the equity of the business. That's who that's who ultimately makes 
the decisions on what happens within that company. And they're the, they're the people who make decisions around budget. They're the people who make decisions about, um, you know, who's in management and, you know, key hires and promotions, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you can appear to be as feminist as you like by having as many women working for you, but they are the people doing the work on the front line mm. and they're the workers. And actually mm. they can be the most patriarchal of them all, because if you don't actually have men doing the work, you know, on the day to day and they're sat in the ownership position, then actually, you know, people say, oh, you know, women can be so catty at work and these environments are so, you know, um, it's really like dog eat dog or whatever. And there's so much competition mm. between women, you know, and it's just a really unnatural environment because you still have this structure where everyone is reporting to and ultimately performing for yeah. the guy at the top. And mm. that does exist. And that's why it's so, so important. And this is a lot of the work that I do now is actually around, um, you know, inspiring and providing information for women who want to start their own businesses. Because, mm. you know, for for there to be actual change in how business functions, it's about money. Money is power. Where is the wealth distributed? How can women actually, um, you know, start more businesses, also get funded more? You know, at the moment, only one penny in every pound of investment in the in Europe goes to female founders. 1% of investment, wow. which is ridiculous. Mm. Um, you know, that's so heavily skewed. It's not even funny. It's mm. not 30%. It's not 20%. It's 1%, right? So how do we start to change these things? How can we change the pipeline so that you actually have women who have equity in these businesses and who are driving the forward and making decisions? You know, mm. it's absolutely fundamental. And we do not live in an equal society until we address some of these issues. And we can say i'll come into my office you'll see loads of women in the office we've solved the problem and it's just bullshit it's just a face you know it's just giving something a facelift and it's not actually really changing a problem if anything it's putting a plaster over something much greater mm. but i am very positive i'm also very positive i just want to make sure that it's not you know i don't think that it's all I, th I think now is the best time more than ever before to be a woman in business to be starting your career I think now is is so great I really do I think with everything with COVID and it's it's going to take a long time probably to recover but I also think that it's given a lot of people and a lot of leaders um, business leaders particularly a chance to really think about what they're doing with their businesses and there's a lot more demand for consumers to create some of this positive change that we're talking about so in that sense I think there is no better time to be a woman in business um, you know companies are looking much more about diversity inclusion and belonging which is super important mm. and I also think that there are so many women's networks now and women's networks are so important because if you're the only woman in management you need a place to air what's happening and you need a safe mm. space to be able to talk about these things and actually find resolution with other women who have gone through the same thing so you know absolutely find an external women's network and you know find your tribe of people who can help you and I really think that like I say now there's never been a better time than now and well yeah that's um that's a really lovely positive note to finish on and um I wanted to ask you because obviously I think you know we all are quite hopeful and we all have that dream that we can kind of make a change and you know um be super positive but then of course you you don't you, you sometimes feel like 
you don't want to take it all on and put it all on your shoulders. Um, but what advice would you give to um, women who are um, either in big corporations or in um, the smaller ones or as you say like thinking of starting their own um, and um, you know kind of leading the way how what advice would you give in terms of what can we do without you know taking the weight of the world on our shoulders what mm. can we begin to do mm. yeah I think that's a really good one and I think that that's I think that that's probably the situation that most people who want to, um, you know, make change find themselves in as they do take the world, the weight of the world on their shoulders. Um, so in answer to your question, I would say that the biggest and most important thing is to focus actually on what I call like radical self-care. And I'm not talking about self-care the way it's, you know, sold literally to us by companies. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about really understanding and getting your fundamentals in place. So making sure that you are financially stable, that you understand you know, how to budget correctly, how to um, make sure that you're investing and that you're saving for a rainy day and all of those things, you know, a very fundamental physical level, making sure that things are taken care of for you. And that's the first step. I don't think you can do anything to help anybody else until you've got your stuff together in that area because without that you will have you will be up at night there will be things going on and you will not be looking after yourself and then it's really about um it's about rest as well so it's also about knowing that you need to have downtime identifying what your own patterns look like in terms of you know am I really tired am I overworked have I taken on too much do I need some time out you know do I need time in nature do I need to be away from my computer um you know what what can I say no to and how can I carve out some time that's going to um, physically fill me up emotionally, spiritually, whatever that looks like for you. But again, that's fundamental. And that's sort of like the next layer of what you need to do is have this sort of self understanding and this real sort of this real, again, conscious way of understanding how you exist and how you perform best and how you can be most efficient or just sort of happiest and brightest and lightest in yourself. So once you've done that right then only can you help others <laughs> because without that it's like you know it's the same old boring thing that we always get told in airplanes about the mask you don't you don't put somebody else's mask on <laughs> before you put your own on you can only and i'm telling you you will only have the confidence the resilience to um keep fighting a good fight if you've sorted all those things out for yourself if you are on your reserves and you are exhausted and you have burnt yourself out and you've spent all your money on social projects etc you will not have anything left so fundamentally do those things first and once you're once you've got that foundation for yourself then work on what are the positive changes that you can make mm. I think that's really great advice and also quite a different perspective I think because that's maybe a step that some people tend to miss out um, and they think oh I want to do this I want to help all these people I want to do all these amazing things which is incredible but I so agree I think if you've got like underlying things that aren't quite settled in your own life whether it's personal financial whatever it might be 
then it's only you know you can brush it under the rug as much as you want but it's only gonna come back around and um and then ultimately it will have negative effects on those amazing projects that you have started so I think that is really wise to um sort yourself and your mind and your life and your finances um out as much as you can to be in a position where you are stable and then um begin to look further afield and um I love the mask analogy because it's so true isn't it I think you have to be self-aware and assured and secure and happy before you can begin to make any sort of positive changes for other people yeah you know and and I always think about this you know if you for example um if you're totally totally burnt out and you're rushing around and you're sort of as I say fighting the good fight but then in your daily interactions you're bumping into people because you're rushing everywhere or you're being rude to a cashier because you're always in a hurry or you know your relationship at home is is maybe breaking down because mm-hmm. you don't create that time and space for to listen to your own partner for example you know if if that's what you're doing then actually well, what what is the energy that you're putting out into the world and is it worth it like is it really worth it if you're so sort of highly strung and self-absorbed in all of these other areas that you don't realize that you're actually going around creating potentially negativity because you you're not looking after your own spirit and if you can't Mm. take care of that then you really don't try and fix other things just fix that first (laughs) look into yourself first I think that's (laughs) that's definitely a good takeaway um thank you so much I I really like that um to end on and I think yeah I'll take that advice on board as well definitely um (laughs) Yeah, I've really enjoyed chatting to you and um, hearing about your experiences. And yeah, it's not it's not all doom and gloom. There's definitely lots of positivity um, that we can take. So thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. Could you let everyone know where they can find your podcast? Oh, yes, of course. Um, yeah, so wherever you listen to podcasts, which I know you do because you're listening to this one, uh, <laughs> just search Women on Top um yeah and you should find it so we're on we're on apple um entail spotify etc you can also follow us on social media at the what pod and that's spelled w-o-t-p-o-d so at the what pod um on your usual social channels or you can visit the for more info um yeah so that's it that's me and thank you so much emily i've really enjoyed this conversation thank you for having me oh me too thank you so much and if you have also enjoyed the conversation which I hope you have then please do subscribe follow leave a rating a review it's always so nice to hear what people think and um as always you can follow the podcast on instagram so it's working it out podcast and thank you so much for all your support throughout the series um through all the episodes and if you haven't listened to all of them already then you can go back and check them all out and if you have listened to them all already then don't worry I will be back soon for series two with new guests new topics and brand new discussions 